Welcome to another inspiring podcast from C3 New Hope. For more information about our church and its locations, please visit our website at c3newhope.com.au. All right, I'm excited to be able to say we're into a new series. Well, we've actually kind of pre-launched it a little while ago. I did a bit of a teaser into the series. You might remember two or three weeks ago, um, I spoke into Philippians 3 and, and said that we are all citizens of heaven and to remind us that we are living, um, living in a world now, but we have perspective needs to be on eternity. To lift up our eyes, reminded that this world, it's temporal. It's going to come and go. But the Lord God, He has a mighty plan for eternity in mind for us. And I want to remind us as the church, just like the early church preached about this whole heap, that we ought to have our eyes set on eternity. And so we titled this message here today, Citizens of Heaven. The series, Citizens of Heaven. This is where our citizenship ultimately lies. And I love that uh, a couple of weeks ago, Garth Ball, who brought a great word on revival, and he spoke about how revival can intentionally be uh, heaven down, but also can be something that starts very much in the lives and the hearts of every single person today. And my prayer is that that would be the case, that yes, we pray and we believe for a great outpouring of the Holy Spirit, and that is the right prayer to pray. But there's also a personal responsibility each one of us has to be able to ignite from the inside of who we are, from our hearts, that God, there is like a personal revival going on inside of me right now, and let myself be caught on fire so other people can be indeed caught on fire too. And he used this word, he um, he quoted C.S. Lewis during that time. You might remember this quote. He talked about the the importance of of living now with a side of of eternity. And he said, and C.S. Lewis quotes, if you read history, you will find that Christians, that's hopefully you and me here today, um, who did most for the present world were precisely those who thought most of the next. And so this series... It's going to be a few things, but it's also not going to be a few things. Um, sometimes when we start talking about the second coming of Christ and end times and the last days and so forth, who knows, that pricks the ears of a few people in right now. It's sort of like, oh, there's a few YouTube revelation revelations guys like, yes, here we go. We're going to talk about all this. There's going to be some things that we talk about, but there's also going to be some things that we sort of don't necessarily address as well. And that's going to be a deliberate thing here today. And I want to make sure that we have a theology that understands the real key concepts of what I believe Jesus and the Lord is calling us to know. Because there are some doctrinal things that I think are non-negotiables. Yes? But there's also some concepts there that, that, um, that perhaps from time to time, you get 10 different theologians in a room together, all with substance and back-ins and understandings. There's going to be some different perspectives. Rob, it is so good to see you, mate. You're a legend. You just caught my eyes right there. I just, the Lord is for you and your family. And uh, God, God, God loves you. I'm sorry, I'm getting distracted very, very easily today. My, my apologies here today. Let's pray. Let's pray. Let's start there. Hey? <laughs> Lord, awaken our spirits. Let us lean into the power of your word here today. I pray for open hearts, open minds, open ears. Help us to see the things that you see, Lord Father. And all the people said, Amen, Amen, Amen. I want to have a foundational thought here before we even go into the main thoughts. 
that end times, second coming of Christ, however you want to sort of call it, the last days, is nothing to be feared. Because what often happens for some, there is a, there is a, uh, a sense of fear that can be filled with people when we start talking about this sort of stuff. There should be an anticipation and eagerness. I love it how Paul puts it. He says, basically, whilst I'm here, I'm living for Christ. But when my time has come, I'm going to see Jesus. I'm going to be spending time in eternity with my Heavenly Father. And so I am in a place where I am living for Christ now, but I am indeed, when my time has come, it is all gain, he says. In other words, whilst I'm here, I'm getting busy for the kingdom of God. Whilst I'm here, I'm surrendering my life to the the headship of Jesus. Whilst I'm here, I'm doing all I can to see the goodness and mercies and and, and the goodness of of spread into the world. But when my time has come, it is going to be the greatest thing I can ever experience in my life. And I want to tell you that these indeed are also Jesus' words. Um, John 14, 1 to 3, it says, hey, this is in the context of what is to come. He says, hey, don't let your hearts be troubled. Don't let your hearts be troubled. Jesus is actually sitting down with his disciples at this particular time. He's actually talking about the steps, what's going to, he's unfolding the plan to them. And you can imagine for the disciples who've grown to love him and know him and follow him for you know, the, the previous three or so years, there is this sense of like, hold on, Jesus, what, what do you mean you're going to die? Even though he's been sort of talking about this the whole way through. And so their hearts became troubled. But then he gives them this great encouragement in John 14. It says, you believe in God, believe in me also. My father's house has many rooms. If that were not so, what have I told you that I am going, to the, going there to prepare a place for you? What he's saying here right now is that my assignment here on earth is coming to an end. But there is a new assignment that my father's calling me to. And that is to prepare rooms in the place where we are all going to rejoice and be together in one day. And if I go and prepare a place for you, says, I will come back. He's coming back. Again, my very distracted mind right now goes to Arnold Schwarzenegger thinking, I'll be back, he says. Joel, can you give me the best Arnold Schwarzenegger, please? Hey. No, as in like, I'll be back. I'll be back. Come on. I'll be back. <laughs> All right, it's not bad. Dylan, help me out. Help me out, okay? Are you old enough to know that Arnold Schwarzenegger was like a movie star? Are you old enough? You watched a few, okay. Can you give me your best impression of I'll be back? Putting me on the spot, man. <laughs> I'll be back. I will be back. All right. Jesus is saying, I'll be back, okay? He's coming back. And this is the promise. This is the hope. This is what we should all be stirring ourselves with this morning, that Jesus is indeed coming back. And Jesus came back, guys. It is a love story. You can see I'm passionate about this. That Jesus, he's come, it's a love story. He loves his church. He loves His people. He died for us. He rose again. And He's going to come back and rescue and be with us and take us into a place of eternity one day. So there's nothing to fear. Nothing to fear. If you've got your Bibles here, why don't you jump into Acts chapter 1, verse 7 and 8. And this, this might be particularly a, a unique kind of scripture that I'm leading with here today in regards to talking about end times. But the disciples, the context of what's happening in this particular scripture is that Jesus has died. He's been resurrected. And for 40 days, he goes around and tells the disciples about things of the kingdom of God. And so he's been 
to teaching and leading and having little small barbecues and sharing meals with the disciples. And, and then he's basically saying, okay, now, now I'm about ready to ascend into heaven once and for all. And the disciples are like, well, what, what's going to happen? Like, you know, what's there left to be doing? Are we, are we going to come with you? What's going on? And so, so Jesus is, is in, indeed speaking into this right now, where Jesus responds in verse 7 and says, He said to them, It is not for you to know the times or the seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority. So the disciples are asking, Is this kind of the end? Is this sort of. And it's a question that so many of us ask as well. Let's be honest right now, even during COVID and all that kind of stuff, there would have been a few people thinking, is this kind of it? Is this kind of the signs? Is this what's happening? True story, like in 2020, literally about three or four weeks into the whole COVID thing, I was being bombarded with all these like prophetic sort of voices saying, hey, we've got two weeks to go. Let's go, let's, let's go. Unfortunately, those prophetic voices are probably proven right now to not be necessarily all that accurate. <laughs> But people were asking, okay, is this, is this kind of it? It's the same question that the disciples were asking. And Jesus says, hey, it's actually not for you to know. It's not for you to know. Actually, Matthew 24, which is where we're going to dive into next week. Matthew 24, do yourself some homework this week. Go and read Matthew 24. We're going to, as a church, unpack that next week. But this is where Jesus actually talks about some of the final days and what it's going to look like. And we're going to talk about some signs and, 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 and examples of the times. But there is a moment here where, where Jesus is saying, not even I know that the Father knows. And this is what I picture in heaven. Now, this might be... Not necessarily theologically correct, but just bear with me. I see Jesus being in a place, I'm ready, God. Father, I'm ready. I love my people so much. In the moment we're going to see how God's actually, the Father's actually withholding. He's, he's just saying, hey, cool your jets. Keep your gunpowder dry, champ. Just, just, just hold back a little bit. And this is what's happening right now. And so, so verse 8, but you will receive power. Everyone say power. You will see your power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea, Samaria and all the ends of the earth. Again, notice the context of this scripture right now. The disciples are asking, hey, is this kind of it? What's going on? And Jesus gives a theology, something that I believe that we should ought to take on ourselves as well in this place, that hey, that you're not necessarily meant to know all the details. There's going to be some things in your understanding that you're not going to end up knowing. And there's probably some Christian theologies right now that are going around that saying, hey, I want to know every single thing. And it's not wrong to go deep. But however, let's not miss the main point. The point that what Jesus is making here right now is that, hey, there's going to be some things that you don't necessarily know about, but here's what I will do. I'm going to give you power to be my witnesses. And so between when, the, when I go and when the, I come back, I want you to get busy doing the work of the kingdom. Go and be filled with the power of the Holy Spirit. This is my theology. Go and be filled with the power of the Holy Spirit. Be a difference in our world. Live your life set with eternity in minds. Understand the goodness in God. Surrender your life. Live according to His patterns, His ways. And be the light that Matthew 5 says, go and shine bright. You guys all right? You all right? Okay. So I've titled this message, Is This the End? <laughs> I'm not going to be prophetic with you and say, hey, I've got two weeks to go, um, just so you always know. But I'm going to answer three questions. Well, I'm going to ask three questions. I'm going to answer two of them. And I want you to actually have some work here today because the third question only you can answer. And I'm going to ask the first question is, are we in the final days? 
And I very quickly and bluntly say, yes, we are. We are in the final days. We're in the final days. And Jesus, I believe, is ready and waiting and, and able. And the Father is in a place where he's, um, he'll be calling the shots on this. And I can confidently say here this morning that we are in the final days, not because we're in a day and age where there's more um, knowledge and understanding and technology than ever beforehand. I can confidently say that we're in end days, not because we are in a time and age where there, are, there is technology and microchips and so forth that could potentially fashion what we would be called, you know, some signs of what um, was being prophesied in Revelations and Daniel. We're in, uh, I can confidently say we're in these days, not because of the, the wars and the situations and the challenges the world sees. I can confidently say that we're in end days, not because of the fact that we see the fact of, uh, that the world and the earth is groaning more than ever before. We're seeing, we're seeing earthquakes, we're seeing... Um, natural sort of disaster, we're seeing the world come into a place. I can confidently say that we are um, uh, in end days, not just because of what's taking place in Israel right now, where Israel became a nation in 1948, the embassy was placed there. I can confidently say all these things, not just because of what these things are, and they are important, they're being prophesied, and they are, they are important to be acknowledged, but I can confidently say because that's what the Bible says. And it's really important that we don't see the world through the lens of, of circumstance, but rather we see the world through the lens of what Scripture says. I don't try and fit circumstance into the Bible. We actually got to do the other way around. We should always be equipped and, and like, a, like, a, like a pair of glasses that we put on, we actually have the lens of Scripture that we see the world through. It's a biblical worldview we talk about. And theologians would, and accurately so, say these are abundantly important things. But for the sake of this particular series, we're not necessarily going to be dwelling solely on those things. You can come and talk to me. We're at coffee. I'd love to talk about these things individually. But where I'm leading, where I'm wanting, where I'm seeking our church to go is to, to live with eternity, but then understand what God is calling us to. I want there to be a sense of with that information that we receive, it ought to transform us from the inside out that indeed we become those witnesses that Jesus is talking about right now. Let's dive into Acts 2 verses 17. And it's one chapter later and in between that time, the Holy Spirit was then poured out upon the, upon the uh, disciples and the Apostle Peter, he starts preaching and there's a fulfilment of Scripture that takes place in Acts chapter 2. And it's actually a fulfillment of scripture from Joel to the two. And it says, in the last days, in the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will see dreams and dream dreams. Are we in the end times? I believe so. I know many of you guys are now asking, so Dan, um, how close are we? <laughs> well, what's going on? I don't know. You need to go and ask the Lord that. <laughs> it's not my place to be able to say. But I do believe that, well, I think I mentioned a couple of weeks ago, we're closer today than we were yesterday. Let's live with that intention. Many one asked, and if we're in the end, what's the delay? What's sort of, why are we sort of like still going on? We're now 2,000 years on from this particular scripture. Well, again, we need to read it with the lens of, from the Father here, and I think 2 Peter chapter 3, verses 8 and 9 actually talks about this. Before we go to that scripture, though, we've got to also understand that this theology has been very much 
been preached and understood from the very much the early church. Paul actually writes a, two letters to the people of Thessalonica during this time because there was a thought at the time for the people of Thessalonica, have we missed the second coming? And they saw the circumstances, they saw the moments, they saw what was taking place during that time and they were like, hey, we're a bit worried we might have potentially missed the second coming of the king right now. And Paul says, hey, no, you will know without a shadow of doubt when the second coming comes. Revelation 1 actually says that every eye will see what takes place right now. And so he was encouraging the people in, in, in Thessalonians that, hey, no, here's what's going to happen, this is what it's going to look like, but you haven't missed the second coming of the king. And so what's taking God so long, maybe someone might ask. Well, first of all, we're going to understand that we worship a timeless God. God is not boxed into time at all. He's not constrained by time at all. The second thing we need to think and we need to understand is God's timing is perfect. God hasn't missed an appointment. God hasn't sort of, you know, been tardy and sort of run behind time for whatever reason. God's timing is perfect, but understand this as well, that his timing is dictated by his heart for his, for his people. So we look at 2 Peter 3, verses 8 and 9, and says, but don't forget this one thing again. This is in the context of end times, of, of that he's talking right now. Don't forget this one thing. With the day, so with the Lord, a day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years is like a day. Has anyone ever had those days at work? You're like, oh my goodness, is this day ever going to finish? <laughs> I have the most Mondays with my son, Oliver. Oliver, It's like, oh my gosh, if I have to watch another episode of Peppa Pig, I'm going to just, I don't know what I'm going to do. <laughs> Lord, I'm ready. Oh, Lord, I'm ready. That's all I can say sometimes. The Lord is not slow in keeping his promise as some understand slowness. Has anyone just received some conviction like I did when I read this this week? He's not slow in keeping his promise. Instead, and, and let's look at perhaps the motive, the understanding of why in our minds there's the delay. Instead, he's patient with you. Not wanting anyone to perish but everyone to come to repentance. This is the motive that our God has. He wants every single person to have the opportunity to know him, to walk with him, to be in relationship with him. And I thank God that was a God that had patience with me. It should be a prayer and a gratefulness of every single one of us that God, I'm thinking that you had patience for me. That I get to be in a place now, I've been able to know that I am saved, I'm set apart, I'm redeemed by the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. But thank you for having patience with me. And sometimes what we think about it being delay is actually God's great grace on humanity. Sometimes what we think about being a delay is actually his mercy, his kindness, his protection, his opportunity that he gives us all. And so we should never be in a place where we start dictating, God, according to my schedule, this should be happening right now. That's very dangerous. In fact, that's actually placing us, God, and him not. <laughs> and so being reminded of his motives here. You know, God is giving people an opportunity. And this scripture would go on to talk about the fact that there will be the scoffers, there will be the naysayers that will be saying, hey, God still hasn't come back yet. And Peter doubles down and says, no, no, my God 
he's, he's speaking from this point of view that he has given every single person an opportunity to be able to receive salvation. So are we in the end times? To answer that first question, yes. And again, let me just remind us all that we're in our, in our only times. In fact, James, he talks about, in chapter 4, he says that you are, you are a mist, he says. You're just a mist. Everyone's like, well, Dan, thank you for that encouragement today. Um, welcome to church. Be blessed. Uh, you're a mist. But what we're saying here is that there is, there is a, a shortness. There's a briefness. It comes and it goes, this life. And yet what we do with the life matters so much. All right, we need to move on. So are we in that last stage? Yes. Okay, so next one. Next question, question number two. Again, we're talking about the big blocks today. Just the big points. Second question is, is Jesus coming back? I can tell you without a shadow of doubt, he is coming back. If you ask Arnold Schwarzenegger over here, he's definitely coming back. And it is happening. And guys, this is a big one in terms of our doctrine. Just like the virginal birth, just like the, the, the resurrection of, of, of Jesus, just like this. That, that there is, this is a big doctrinal understanding that we have to be able to get our heads around. And I would encourage that if you don't, come and see me during the week because this is a big one that we need to understand. Jesus is saying, you know, in, in, in Acts chapter 1, he says, so Acts, yeah, Acts chapter 1, you're going to receive power from the Holy Spirit. And that was in verse 8. Let's look at verse 9 now, where it says, Right after Jesus has spoken these words, the disciples saw him being lifted into the sky and disappearing into a cloud. How much of a wild journey would have been a disciple of the time? Can you put yourself in their shoes just for a moment? I mean, no wonder these guys had questions going on in their minds at times. I mean, they have seen Jesus walk the earth and live the perfect life. They've seen him heal people from the sick. They've seen people being set free. They've seen dead people raised to life again. They've seen him talk about his own death and then his resurrection. Then they've seen the, the holes in his hands and the holes in his feet. They've walked with him. They've had a barbecue with him by this time. And only for them to see him levitate or have this moment where he's ascending into heaven. It's incredible. And so the disciples see this and it says, as they stared into the sky, watching Jesus ascend, two men in white robes, angels, suddenly appeared beside them and they told the subtle disciples, and that's where I feel a bit of compassion for the brothers, you know, why are you staring up in the sky? Who knows if someone says, don't look at the sun. What are you going to do? You look at the sun straight up. Oh, eyes, boys. Or don't press that red button. Whatever you do. You mean this red button over here? The poor old disciples at the moment, they've had this moment where they've seen Jesus head up into the sky, into the clouds. Why are you staring at the sky? And what's basically what they're saying, say, hey, you were with him in John 14. You were with him when he was talking about what was going to happen. Be reminded of his word. It's now coming into, into, into happening. So stop staring at the sky. Jesus has been taken from you into heaven, but he will come back in the same way that you saw him ascend. And mark my words, you can, you can put your bottom dollar on it. Jesus is coming 
back. Revelation 1, as I said beforehand, that every eye will indeed see. You know, he came as a lamb, he's returning as a lion. He came as a servant, he's returning as the king. He came for the first time to die for you and me. And he's going to return with, 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 with finishing death once and for all. And he will, we will indeed have eternity with him. And I even love 1 Corinthians 15, it says, O death, where is your sting? Oh, Hades, where is your victory? That on the day that Jesus returns, which he is, death dies, the grave is swallowed up, and we are resurrected, and we will, we will go to see what Revelation 1, 21 says, we'll go into a new heaven and a new earth, which we'll talk about a little bit in the subsequent weeks. Revelation 21 actually says from verse 3, it says, this is the fulfilment of what's taking, taking place. I heard a loud shout from the throne saying, Lord, God's home is now among his people. I love this. Again, this is the reminder that he is God Emmanuel. He will live with them and they will be with his people. God himself will be with them. He will wipe every tear from their eye where there will be no more death or sorrow or crying or pain. All these things are gone forever. Cancer gone forever. Disappointment gone forever. Sadness gone forever. Talks of recession gone forever. Everything that resolves in pain or challenge or whatever, gone forever. This is the hope that we have. This should be still in your, like steel in your, in your backbone right with faith of this is what we have to be looking forward to. Verse 5, And the one sitting on the throne said, Look, I am making everything new. Write this down for what I tell you is trustworthy and true. And he said, it is, and he also said, It is finished. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. So all who are thirsty, I will freely give from the, from the springs of, of the water of life. And all who are victorious will inherit these blessings. And I will be their God and they be my children. Are we in the final days? Yes. Is Jesus coming back? Yes. My third and last question for us all today. And Liv, why don't you come on up? I want to close on this. My third and last question, which I'd love to be able to answer for you, but I can't. This is only a question that every single one of you guys can ask between yourself and the Lord. Is, are you ready? Are you ready? And I ask the question not to scare you. I ask the question to prepare you. Amen. You know, a big part of my job is making sure, well, to doing all I can to lay down my life in a way where I prepare the people for the ways of the Lord. And it's my greatest desire that whether you've been here for the very first time or whether you've been here for many, many, many years, that you be as well prepared for these days that we're talking about right now, that when you are presented before the Lord, the book of life is indeed before us. Your name will be there. And then as your life is unfolding before the King of Kings, there'll be joy after joy after joy. And I I say this with excitement in my voice. Church, let's rise in this space. Let's be reminded of this. Let's live with eternity inside. Are you ready? Jesus says it like this in Luke 18. He actually says, uh, actually Luke says this, <laughs> when the Son of Man comes and returns, will he find faith? What's he going to find? 
Will he find faith? My prayer is that when he sees Dan Warren, there'll be faith there. My prayer is I look at Paul Salisbury, who's doing a magnificent job leading our team at the moment. There'll be faith there. My prayer was he sees Mark Filipovic, there'll be faith there. My prayer is that every single person is sort of looked at and seen. There'll be faith there. So maybe an obvious next question is asked then, well, how do I, how's this work? How's this, how do I receive this faith? Well, I love it how Scripture unpacks this and there's a particular story in Acts chapter 16. Paul and Silas, they're in a jail and some wild stuff takes place and one thing leads to another where the jail warden, the person who's sort of responsible for keeping them in jail, comes and says, hey, what you're talking about right now, I want to receive. And Paul simply says, in many, no uncertain times, in, in no uncertain time, in uncertain ways, if we go to um, Acts 16, it says, believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. You will be saved. So my question to us all here today is, are you ready? Have you been able to utter these words? Not just speak these words, but have a depth of understanding, a depth of desire, a depth in your heart. The Lord, I can declare I'm ready. We hope you've been encouraged by this message. For more information about C3 New Hope and its locations, please visit our website at c3newhope.com.au.